This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Welcome back to Calvary Online, everyone. I'm John. So glad you're with us. Are you ready for Christmas? There's less than a week, and no matter how early in the year the stores put out the decorations, no matter what month it is when the radio stations start playing Christmas music, it always feels like a sprint to the finish. Last-minute gifts, scrambling to send Christmas cards, rushing out the door to the next Christmas party. Are you ready for Christmas? We may have just lost like half of our audience because they realized they aren't. Hopefully they'll get that last minute gift wrapped and join us after. But today I hope to help all of us get ready for Christmas. Not logistically ready, but spiritually. And so I'd like to spend some time with you together with the person who I think was most ready for Christmas. The one who thought about it more than any of us ever have, and someone who I think can help us get ready. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 includes the first song of Christmas, written by Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had been visited by the angel Gabriel and told that by the power of God, she would conceive and bear a son, a savior. After this announcement from the angel, she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And then in some of the most moving words in the historical account of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, Mary says in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Our Father, I pray now, as we study these words of your servant Mary, that you would help each of us to get ready for Christmas, to be ready to welcome Jesus, our Savior, to worship him, to remember why he came, and to prepare ourselves for the greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of the very Son of God. We pray all of this. In his holy and precious name, amen. So why do I think Mary was ready for Christmas? And why do I think she can help us get ready? I want to give you three reasons from Mary's song why I think she was ready for Christmas. She was ready for Christmas because she remembered the word of God. 
The closing words of her song links what's about to happen at Christmas with God's promises in the past. It says in verses 54 and 55, He, God, has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary reaches all the way back to God's covenant, his promise to Abraham, the founding father of the people of Israel. God promised that he would give to Abraham a great name and that through him and from him would come a great nation. And through him, all nations on the earth would be blessed. And God knows that Mary knows that God made this promise because she knows the word of God. And amazingly, she connects God's covenant with Abraham to what's going to happen at Christmas. That God's promise would ultimately be fulfilled in the Messiah, the baby in her womb, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This isn't the only mention of the Word of God in Mary's song. In fact, one scholar has said that there are over 12 Old Testament references in these 10 verses. None of them are direct quotes, but Mary's language is soaked in the scripture. She was a woman of the word. It's remarkable because we know that Mary would have been probably no more than 15 years old when Jesus was born, young, but wise. And those aren't mutually exclusive, especially when you are so familiar with the word of God as Mary was, and in it. In the word of God, Mary found the language of her heart. She was able to give words through the word of God to what she was experiencing and what she was feeling. Through the Bible, she could express her deepest emotions and thoughts. Let's just pause for a moment. How many of us ever feel like, well, there really isn't anything in the Bible for me not for my very unique situation that I happen to be going through right now. Hmm? I think we can all agree that Mary's situation is relatively unique amongst any situation that hum any human being has ever experienced or encountered. And even still, in her circumstance, she finds relevance by remembering the word of God. And specifically, Mary seems to remember one story in particular. Jesus is the only child who was born of a virgin with no earthly father. But Jesus' birth is not the only miraculous one that's recorded for us in the Bible. In fact, when Mary sings this song, she's in the presence of her relative Elizabeth, who was an old woman, barren, who had always longed for a child, and God miraculously allows her to conceive, and she gives birth to John the Baptist. We think of Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who gave birth to Isaac when she was 90 years old, and Rebecca and Rachel and Samson's mother, all of them struggled with infertility. And God intervened and miraculously allowed them to give birth. But the, big, the biblical story that seems to resonate most closely with Mary is the story of Hannah, the mother of the Old Testament prophet Samuel. Hannah also longed for a child and prayed that God would give her a son. And, and she said to the Lord, if God answered her prayer, that she would set her son apart for service to God, that 
He would be a part of the priestly system, that he would grow up in the service of God Most High, and he would serve him with his entire life. And God answered Hannah's prayer. And Samuel was born, and Samuel became the last and final judge in the, in the history of Israel, an important prophet, and the one who anoints both Saul and David as king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prays to God after Samuel is born. And listen to how similar Mary's words are to Hannah's. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. In verse 4, the the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. And verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Verse 10, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Do you hear it? Mary found herself in the story of Scripture, in her unique circumstance. We can find our story in scripture too. How often do we read God's word and something just jumps off the page as if it was written for us? It is the living and active word of God. I love that none of the Old Testament quotes in Mary's song or New Testament, Old Testament references rather, are direct quotes. I think memorizing scripture is important. I think it's a helpful spiritual practice. But just simply memorizing words won't always shape our hearts. But remembering God's word in a way that is relevant to our life, that's a way that all of us can get ready for Christmas. Maybe we could all think of some ways in the next few days to spend some time in the Christmas narrative. Luke chapters 1 and 2, Matthew chapters 1 and 2. Remember what God did that first Christmas and prepare our hearts for worship. So Mary remembered the word of God and she also recognized the power of God. Verses 51 through 53 say, He, God, has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has shown strength with his arm. This is a poetic way of describing God's power that's common in the Old Testament. Psalm 98 verse 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Mary needed to recognize the power of God to be ready for that first Christmas. She needed God's strength. I just can't even imagine the comments and judgment that she must have experienced. The shame of what seemed like an illegitimate birth in a society where you likely would have been shunned 
and legally, even if it was uncommon, could have been killed. But Mary recognizes that the power of God could overcome all of that worldly shame and judgment. The power of God that created the heavens and the earth. The power of God that conquered Pharaoh. The power of God that provided manna from heaven for the people of God. The power of God that had overshadowed her so that she was now carrying in her womb the Holy Son of God. Her words about the power of God have been described as revolutionary. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who was executed for his vocal opposition to the Nazi regime, said in his sermon about this text on December 17, 1933, This song of Mary's is the oldest Advent hymn. It is the most passionate, the most vehement, one might almost say most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. It is not the gentle, sweet, dreamy Mary that we see so often portrayed in pictures, but the passionate, powerful, proud, enthusiastic Mary who speaks here. None of the sweet, sugary, or childish tones that we so often find in our Christmas hymns, but a hard, strong, uncompromising song of bringing down rulers from their thrones and humbling the lords of this world, of God's power, and of the powerlessness of men. I love that Mary recognized in her song that God's power is personal. Verses 49 and 50 say, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary sings of God's power in her life. He has done great things for me, she says. For all of us to get ready for Christmas, we too need to recognize the power of God made personal in our lives. What are the great things God has done for you in this year? It might be worth writing them down, sharing them with your life group, or talking about them around the Christmas table. If you can't think of any ways that God has done a great thing in your life, or if you can't think of any ways that God's power has been made personal in your life, Remember that the unimaginable power of God dwells in the person of Jesus. In the baby who was born to Mary that first Christmas. And everything that Mary describes about God is true of her son. Jesus is our mighty God. The prophecy about him in Isaiah chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, will do this. And Mary says, His name is holy. 
Holy is his name, she says in her song. Not just that his literal name is holy, but that his whole person is holy. Everything about him is known by his name, his character traits, his reputation, his mighty acts, all in his name. And his name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Not a terrifying fear, but a reverent fear, respect and and admiration and an acknowledgement of his great power, recognition of it. That's why Mary was ready for Christmas. Because not only did she recognize the power of God, but she realized her need for God. And Mary said in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I want you to notice three words that Mary uses. My soul, my spirit, and my Savior. Soul, spirit, savior. Mary was ready for Christmas because she realized she needed what only God could give her. Not gifts, not a great meal, not family memories, but salvation. And to be clear, not some kind of political or social salvation, but the salvation of her soul. Only God can give that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. This is the purpose of Christmas, salvation. And we're in danger because we've sanitized Christmas. We've sanitized the birth of Jesus. Christmas has become so void of its actual purpose in our culture that it's become the biggest holiday in the world. Our country and most other Western ones shut down. But if we're not careful, we can get caught up in the secular celebration of Christmas and miss its real purpose. Plenty of people do. The New Testament scholar Tom Wright tells of the story when he was once preaching at a big Christmas service where a well-known historian, famous for his skepticism toward Christianity, had been persuaded to attend by his family. And afterwards, he says, he approached me, all smiles. I've finally worked it out, he declared. Why people like Christmas? Really, Tom said, do tell me. A baby threatens no one, the man said. So the whole thing is a happy event, which means nothing at all. When we get lost in the sentimentalism of tradition, we're at risk of missing the true purpose of why Jesus came. And if we miss it, then Christmas really does mean nothing at all. Why was Jesus born? He was born to die. And through his death, to bring salvation to all who call on his name, everyone, everywhere. And all that's required is for us to realize that we all need a Savior. Even Mary needed a Savior. 
Even the mother of Jesus needed to be saved by Jesus. And if Mary realizes her need for Jesus, the one who all generations will call blessed, then shouldn't we? Shouldn't we get ready for Christmas by realizing our own need for God and receive what only he can give to us? So are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready to remember the word of God? Are you ready to recognize the power of God? Are you ready to realize your need for God? This is Christmas. That God left heaven and came to earth as a baby, not as a powerful otherworldly figure, not as a political revolutionary, but as a humble, in many ways, powerless baby. So that he could live a real human life, experience pain and suffering, and then go to the cross for our greatest need. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior and King, you could right now. You could ask for his forgiveness, receive his mercy, and join with Mary in saying, He has done great things for me. Lord Jesus, the greatest thing that has ever been done for a human being is your death. And I pray for my friends who are listening and watching and worshiping. I pray that you might remind us of the great things that you have done. I pray for any heart that is unsure about why you came for Christmas. I pray you would help by the power of your Holy Spirit draw them to yourself, Lord Jesus that they might realize their need for salvation and that through your work, they would be called one of your own, Lord Jesus Christ. We give you thanks that you came that Christmas and we bless you, God, for these beautiful words of Mary. May they help us in our hearts to be ready to worship you, Lord Jesus, this Christmas. We pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen. I'm so glad you were with us today. We'd love to help you follow Jesus and learn more about him. If we can help you with that, would you let us know? You can let us know on the online connect card or reach out by sending us an email. We'd love to help you follow Jesus. And we hope you'll join us for our Christmas Eve services this Friday. Until then, Merry Christmas.